Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. We're back to talk about one of the most magical traditions of English football. That's right, the January transfer window. And boy, do we have some nonsense to discuss today. Before we get to that, don't forget to leave us five-star reviews on iTunes or Spotify. And follow us on Twitter at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Now that that's out of the way, let me introduce my co-host. First up, he's having a drier January than our newest signing in front of goal. It's Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Regretfully sober. Um, (laughs) You know, it's going to be a few more weeks before I start banging them in. But once February rolls around, I'm going to, you know, make up for lost time. You you, you sure you might not cheat a little early when we uh, have our next FA Cup draw? Or fixture, rather? I mean... It is Man City, and we're going to win comfortably, so it might might warrant some celebrations. Fair fair enough. That's a good way of looking to it. Uh, Next up is my other co-host. He's the ITK for the DEA. It's Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Doing great. Um, Lots of cryptic posting on message boards. Um, Lots of, you know, burner cell phones over here. that's unrelated to the whole ITK thing, but this, it is what it is. Um, and, you know, I'm about to go on a podcast with uh, Fab Romano at some point, and uh, we'll see what happens. Fab Romano has a lot to say about, like, the slopes of uh, Miami. Is that, is that I mean, is have that you seen going? him? He yeah, definitely I mean, does. You know what? Fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so, like I said, we have a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of really stupid bullshit. But uh, let's start with, I think, uh, the obvious thing, which is Tottenham have brought in not only a transfer already in this window before January 10th, we brought in a transfer, but a, a forward, which is unheard of for this team. Uh, and definitely the, the nice thing about this forward, it is definitely someone that we don't have to delete our tweet, it's t- tweets about. It's Timo Werner, who we've always been big fans of. Right, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone has ever called him a fraud, uh, you know, a Bundesliga tap-in merchant, anything like that. Everyone has always been fully supportive. Um, I think what's craziest about the signing is that nobody saw it coming. It was just out of complete left field, and it was done from, like, rumor to deal in, like, three days, uh, which doesn't really happen for us, but... It wasn't even rumored a deal. It was just like, this is a fait accompli at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. It was just like, we heard about it, and it was like, he's signing. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, and it's weird because, you know, okay, we have all our opinions about what Timo Werner is and what he has been, but like... I, I, this, I don't have any pre-existing none, opinions none that are probably no documented notions, on the internet. Nothing. <laughs> uh, but, like, this actually seems like a smart signing for where we're at this season, what we're trying to accomplish and like also for the future, because the deal has a, a a option to buy. That's pretty cheap for next year. Like 
What is it, I, like 15 million euros? Yeah, like 15, I, I think 17, it was it's very 15 affordable. million pounds. But either way, um, like he, he just he went to Chelsea initially for 50. He went back to Leipzig for 20 something like he, he's definitely worth more than 15 million. Um, so it's I'm actually kind of excited about this transfer and not just for the reasons that like it happened early in January and it's a striker and all that stuff. But just like this seems to point to us having a good process and good identification. And, you know, we talked on the show the other week about wanting the team to identify like deals and like market inefficiencies and stuff. And like, I I think a guy who could potentially be a 10 or 15 goal scorer for you to come in at this time of season when you're struggling with injuries and you get him for basically a salary for six months, that seems pretty good. It's, it's a very weird transfer because like, I think Werner is a guy that we all delighted in the misfortunes of, but he's certainly someone and I probably would have made fun of this like two years ago. I did make fun of this two years ago, but like, this is a guy that like your Michael Cayley's of the world, your Nathan A. Clark's of the world would say like, Oh, well, everything this guy does is really useful and good, except he's not a clinical enough finisher. Like it's, you know, like he's not finishing his chances, but like all his off the ball movement, all his chance creation, you know, the positions he's getting in, it's all excellent. You know, it's just that, you know, he can't score goals at the level that everything else suggests he should or that his price tag suggests he should. And I think that's all true. And certainly, you know, getting him, like Brian said, for a no obligation loan with a very affordable purchase fee if it if it works out. I mean, this is sort of the best possible version of a January punt, I feel like, where it's like, okay, like not maybe the guy I would ideally like Spurs to go get in the summer, but you need to bring a body in in January who's going to be useful. Like, this seems like the best version of that. I mean, I think the thing that they would actually say about Timo Werner is he is a guy who puts up good XG and does score goals within his expected goals, you know, range. He had like a, you know, pretty catastrophically bad time at Chelsea, but before that, you know, he scored 28 goals in his last season at Leipzig. You know, like he is a guy who has a track record of hitting the back of the net. Um, even last season for Leipzig, he scored nine goals in about 20 nineties. Like that's perfectly reasonable. And, you know, the kind of player that he is, is basically Brennan Johnson with a little more pedigree you know, he's older, but he's fast as shit. He's not the, you know, most clean finisher, but like he gets enough chances that he usually puts some away. Uh, like, it seems like if he, he fits a profile of a guy that Ange clearly likes. And even if he's, you know, I don't expect him to be the 28 goal season striker. He was at Leipzig, but you know, if he's a fraction of that, a reasonable fraction of that, that's still like huge upside. Well, I've, I've heard people comparing him to like Richarlson or whatever. And it's like, Oh, do we need another one of those? And it's like, yes, we do need another one of those. Like I get that it's not ideal, but like you're replacing like, you know, the shambling corpse of, um, Parasitch, who's not going to play another game for us. You're replacing like Brian heel who gets knocked over by a stiff wind. I mean, 
any production out of that space, as flawed as it may be, is going to be very useful to this team. Right, especially we have Sun gone for the foreseeable yes. future, and we need someone to play in that like left wing spot. You know, it may is going to maybe he's going to get more crowded once Madison's back, but for now, like we have room on this roster for a guy like that. Um, I, yeah, I, I I like I like what he gives us. And like, look, he might it, be a fraud, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> Brian, but I mean, he he can play through the middle. Like we can use him as a striker if we're going to be, you know, particularly counterattacky and want to try to get in behind. Um, you know, and and I think I think Ben hit on you know that this is a guy that that fits kind of like the type that Ange is looking for, and and I think that's kind of the encouraging thing about. Uh, a lot of the players that we've been linked with is that we are clearly looking at, you know, players that fit into this narrow subset of what we want each role on the pitch to fulfill. Which and is Miami Dolphins receivers. Basically, yeah. It's just like fast, they need fast to, NFL players. That's what we're yeah, looking for. They, what's their combine time? You know, like absolutely. Um and and that's 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 Werner. And you know, add in the fact that he's played, you know, in systems at Leipzig that are high pressing, that are, I'm going to broadly assume, fairly close to what he's going to be asked to do in Ange's system. And that makes it even more of a no brainer to me. I, I, I mean, you know, if, if he just comes in and understands pressing triggers in the way that we need him to, because he's like, oh, I've done this before, I've played, you know, you know, high intensity pressing football. I can figure out when I need to cover the fullback and when I need to go to the the central defender and blah 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 blah. I mean, that's huge for us because you know I don't think some of our other signings that we've made um, and that we're using regularly as bench options are as plugged in to to that in in the same way that he probably will be. Yeah, I think where I think a lot of us are probably surprised is, you know, we've heard so much about Ange's dribbly wingers and how, you know, that was such a key component of how he wants to play is these guys who can beat a man and get down the wing and whatever. And we signed Brennan Johnson instead this summer, and now we're signing another guy who's very similar to Brennan Johnson. And, you know, I guess, like, maybe we were all wrong that that is not something that he is interested in right now, or, you know, maybe it's just haven't found the right guy, but you know, I am a little surprised of like what this profile looks like for our two big attacking signings now under Ange, given what we knew about how he played at Celtic, but it seems like it is going to probably work. I think, and, you know, who knows? I mean, we're dealing with limited sample size here, but, like, I mean, it seems to me like Werner is at least partly a product of what's available. And I don't think you can afford to be too picky when you're looking at, like, okay, we need a forward who fits our system to some degree. And, like... Sure, sure, sure. But, like, we know know Jota from his time at Celtic is begging to come here. And he is much more in that profile, a guy Ann just worked with. And the fact that we have turned that easy option down to go for well, someone you who's say different. that you say that Jota has never played in England, which I think is a, regardless no, of how no. you think of his time at Chelsea and Jota hasn't played competitive football for like four months. 
or five. I don't well, know. Well, neither has Timo Werner. <laughs> really. Well, Timo Werner's at least been on a first on the first team in Europe. <laughs> like, you know, he has two hundred minutes. That's two hundred minutes fair. this season. There's two hundred more minutes than Jota is all I'm saying. Um, but that's fair enough. Um, so I don't know. It's like. I think Werner is at least somewhat of a product of what's available, but I do think it's really commendable that we saw he was there. And, you know, I, I know he was, I think before we signed him, United were the strongest links. So I think it's really commendable that a, like we move so quick and B that like, it probably speaks very well of Timo Werner that he sort of looked at his options and was like, no, thanks. Like <laughs> Tottenham for me and for me, I don't want to go to that train wreck. Cause I do think um, so one of the other Spurs podcasts I was listening to today made this point. It was like, this is probably Werner's last chance saloon for top-level European football. If he doesn't have a good go of it at Spurs, whether or not we keep him. Like, I mean, that guy is going to MLS or stepping down to play for, you know, like a, I don't know, Augsburg. Maybe a mid-table or, club. Augsburg yeah. or going to the Spanish second division with Sevilla or God willing or you know, whatever, but like, yeah, he's like, if he wants to play at the top, like something orbiting the champions league in Europe, if not in the champions league, like this, is, he's got to play well at Spurs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I he's not speaks young. Well of, yeah, but that speaks well of us. Like he wants to get back in the German team as a regular. He wants to, you know, play for a champions level te- champions league level team. Like he's got to make a success the next few months with us. I mean, yeah, and like, go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say, you're talking about him. Like he's, 400 years old. I mean, he, he's 27. He's about 27. to be 28. The age at which, but he's 27 until he's 28. The age at which his joints turn to dust. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I think, you know, he's, he's still a player that has shown, you know, even through um, his time at Chelsea and then, you know, uh, kind of this difficult year where he's barely played that he, he's still capable of getting shots. Um, and that's that to me is so much of what this team needs is players that are going to get on the end of uh, attacking moves in the box and turn those moves into shots. Um, and I, I think really that's what we've been missing with. That's what we miss without Sun around is he, he is so good at doing that. Um, it's obviously something we miss without Harry Kane. Um, and so to get. Yeah, right. Uh, we're, we're more on Bayern later. Um, you know, I don't know, but we just do need end product. And, you know, right now we're getting shots from Pedro Poro, which is cool and fun. And we're getting shots from, you know, uh, some of our midfielders and, and, but our just attacking line is not producing, um, those sorts of opportunities at a high enough volume for us to really be probably as successful as we need to be. Yeah, I mean, we saw in the Burnley match, you know, not having Sun out there, it was tough. You know, even when we were playing well during stretches of that match, it was tough to find who's going to be the guy who actually has a crack. And, you know, Richarlison is not good enough, despite his, you know, renaissance lately, to be the sole goal scorer on this team. And, you know, Kulishevsky and Johnson just haven't really stepped up to the Level well, Kulishevsky has to be doing shit in midfield too. Yeah, so yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. And again, and Johnson's doing well at like the things he's doing. Like, I'm not no shade, but like we need guys who shoot. And Timo Werner is a guy who might not shoot well, might not, you know, might trip over the ball as he's bursting into the box. But at the end of the day, he is nominally a guy who will add shot production to this team. 
And, and anyway, if nothing can... else, especially on like what is essentially a free hit, like we can afford that salary for the rest of the year and we can keep him or not, depending on how we like him, because that's something we could definitely afford. It's, you know, he's an upgrade over any other backup option we have on the left. And, you know, we've all talked about like it feels like we have no attacking substitutions this year. Well, like God knows it's better than putting Brian Heal out there. Um, even even if Parasic was healthy, I think it would be like, you know, he's not an actual forward, I feel like so. You know, yeah, it's it's good depth. If nothing else, this is like this just keeps our head above water in a way that, like, you know, we might struggle with if he wasn't here. Right. It, it, I mean, it is such a low risk signing. Like, yes, there's opportunity cost. We could have got someone else who's maybe better or whatever, but like, we can't really think in those terms because we don't have a great idea of what those targets might even conceivably be. So all we're looking at is a guy who costs us basically his nothing but his salary and is immediately our best bench option at a minimum. And best case scenario, he has a really good season and we get a guy who's basically Brennan Johnson, but at a third of the cost, like, great. That's, that's great. How do you feel about bringing, like, I don't know. It's not like he's a Chelsea legend. Like, but, like <laughs> how do you feel about bringing in someone who's so, at least in my mind, so closely identified with Chelsea? I mean, I am admittedly, I, I am much more of a... When I'm not watching English soccer, I'm much more of a Spanish soccer guy than a German soccer guy. So I don't really think of him as a Leipzig guy. I think, you know, Timo Werner shows up and I'm like, oh, here's there's a Chelsea player. Like, how does that make you feel? I mean, well, first of all, he spent six years at Leipzig and two years at Chelsea. So I don't feel and like yet, he's a Chelsea player. But uh, I mean, is that how you think? Because I think of him as a Chelsea player. Like, when yeah, I, see I guess him, I'm just like, a more worldly cosmopolitan guy than you are. Yeah. OK. But... You're, you're OK. But I think. If he flops, then the Chelsea thing will be annoying because it's like, oh, here we go again. Another Chelsea cast off who fucking sucks. You know, it's AVB and Conte all over again. Uh, but if he's good in a way that he wasn't at Chelsea, that just makes it sweeter and funnier, frankly. Like if we get a tune out of this guy who Chelsea spent a jillion dollars on and couldn't make work and he crushes it, that's that's better. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not at all bothered by him being a quote-unquote Chelsea cast-off in this. I mean, you know, I, I, like Ben identified earlier, I think it's actually probably a point in his favor in that he's lived in London before, um, he's experienced with the Premier League, like, um, that that is going to help him settle a lot faster than if we just, you know, if we brought in whoever from Spain or, or from Italy, like that, you know, he's just going to be able to hit the ground running better. Hey, or it's not going to be a surprise. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Like, Oh, English football is physical. Like whatever else I'll say about Timo Werner. I don't think that's going to be a shock to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He'll be used yeah. to it. And the thing about Chelsea again is they have a long, long history of casting off very good players who go on to be very good elsewhere. You know, Lukaku, De Bruyne, Sala, like there, there are priors. So I'll say this, Timo Werner had some elite level like interview shit today that like, like, I don't know if he learned where he learned it, but he's like talking about, I'm here to win titles. I want to work with Ange Postacoglu. He's such a great manager. I've heard such great things about him. Like, it's just like, he's just like ticking boxes in a way where it's like, man, like agent should be like, whoever's like given him his media coaching like if i was an agent i get my player to work with that guy because he's saying all the right things for especially for a guy who like you know we associate with chelsea 
Well, and, you know, I think it's funny that he one of the first things he mentions is, you know, he spoke with the manager and that really sold him on it. And it's just like, Andrew's doing so much work to sell this club in a way that like none of the other managers that we've had kind of in our era did. Like even Pochettino, who we loved, was mostly just about getting the guys that he wanted. He was not about linking up with guys that he was like iffy on and then selling them on the project. Like he wanted everybody to buy into his thing without him having to do the hard sell. It seems like Ange is perfectly happy to come in and, you know, be like, Hey, uh, here's what we want to do with you. Here's why we think you fit. And, um, we absolutely want you here. And, and like, I, go it's ahead, invaluable. Brian, yeah. I mean, between like him loving, like apparently just, big physical guys with good combine times and like the way he sells, he's, he's very, he puts off very like college football coach vibes to me where it's just like, he's like, not quite religious enough. Yeah. Like well, he depends. needs, he needs to reference Jesus about a thousand percent more. <laughs> yeah, he needs to lie about it, but that's yeah. not, that doesn't feel like Ange. like, Ange feels like a good big 10 coach where he's just like, I'm going to, it's like, you're going to come to Spurs. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to, beat the other team up. We're going to out physical them. I'm going to turn you into a young, an incredible young man. Like, you know, just like, yeah. like you're going to find a BMW in your driveway. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to say that. That's what the boosters are for. But yeah, our English listeners totally lost at this point. Just trust us. It's a, it's a great transatlantic comparison. Like, yeah, it works great. I don't know. Werner, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause this is actually really unfair to him. And I think Harry Kane kind of slightly put him in the shade, but like, it kind of reminds me of the Adebayor signing, at least in like sort of emotionally how I dealt with it, which is very different because Adebayor, I think was very successful at Arsenal and city, at least at city. He wasn't like successful enough, but he was, so it was a little weird, but you know, he came and it was a very, and I was a relatively new fan at time, but it was like an adjustment to be like, Oh, he's one of our players. And like, I feel like I'm going through a very sort of like low grade version of that with Timo Werner, just because I sort of learned to first not like him and then laugh at his misfortune. For, and that's sort of my only real frame of reference, because I'm not as worldly as Ben watching the Bundesliga every week. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's just it's it's funny because it's just another. It's another player where it's like I just have I'm having to sort of reframe how I look at him in a way that's you know, very strange, but I'm also doing it immediately, which I think Ben, as you've alluded to on social media, speaks to the mental illness that we have all the Spurs fans, how easy it is to be like, yeah, Timo, like to ask me th- like a week ago, I'm like, oh yeah, Timo Werner's a fucking fraud. Like, it's really funny that Chelsea wasted all that money on him. And now I'm like, oh yeah, exactly what we need. Perfect player for what Ange's, Ange's oh, system is. He's going to revitalize his career. If any other club had brought him in, we would be yucking it up about like oh, Man, West Ham. West Ham thinks this is going to solve their problems. This is going to work out for them this time. Come on, <laughs> Manchester United wanted him. That's why we had to move fast. And we I think would have we... made so many jokes if Manchester Absolutely. United brought in Timo Werner. Like, yeah. Well, if he had ended up at United, he would have been terrible because they're a fucking toxic shit show. But here, with the magic of Big Ange, anything's possible. He's going to really enjoy his lunch. I'm very confident. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of players who might not enjoy their lunch at Spurs, how's that for a transition? We have uh, Radu Dragashin is uh, apparently getting hijacked because we are being gazumped by Bayern Munich 
or Bayern Monaco, as some of the ITKs are uh, shady. Is it Romanian or Italian reporters? I can't remember who made that particular mistake, but um, they are <laughs> reporting at the last minute that uh, Bayern Munich are swooping in for him, and we might not get him. We are recording this for frame of reference because I'm sure this is going to be outdated by the time everyone listens to it. This is Tuesday night at 10.30 in America. Last we've heard, the reporting seems to be from Italy that Bayern and Spurs have had their bids accepted and he will make his decision in the morning. I mean, I am enough of a negative person that I don't think he's going to come here now, but that is not based on any sort of reality. Um, this has got to be the stupidest transfer saga we have ever been a part of like two massive European clubs How is fighting. This possibly the stupidest transfer. We have had so many stupider transfer. Think sagas. of like, we are fighting Bayern Munich for a backup center back who is like almost assuredly like one of the most mid center backs in Europe. And we're all very, very invested in it. He, like he the... literally cannot pass is what I've been led to believe. <laughs> but he's we're... fast and yeah. he's big and he's jumpy. He, he's good at jumping. And he's got a top knot. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's as important. I mean, uh, that's a pretty terrible haircut, which I think we need to have a serious conversation about it. Tottenham Hotspur Hair Club for men. So, yeah, we've got a lot of bad haircuts now, though. So we do. We do have a lot. Of, but that's even by our standards. That's pretty questionable. Um, Yeah, it's just really weird to see us get into this knockdown drag out bidding war with Bayern Munich over a third like he's going to be a backup center back for both teams, so it's I just very. I don't know if that's true. Like I think he might start for Bayern in a way I that mean, makes him. You know, we do have two really good center backs when fit, but you know, we kind of don't yet. So I can see him looking at his options, seeing he has a better road into the Bayern team, and it's Bayern. They could win the Champions League this year. Like it's an appealing destination. I mean, that's it's the Bayern, appeal to me. But it's it's. Do you want to win a lot of things with Bayern or do you want to get on the English salary merry-go-round is like the sort of like what I would imagine the the issues are here. Because he's going to get paid very well at Spurs. And if he does even all right at Spurs, he's probably going to like worst case scenario ends up at like Wolves or something and makes more than he'll make in Germany. So, you know, I, yeah, I mean, the thing that really sticks in my craw about this is like we had so many dominoes lined up around him. We are sending Dyer for somehow a fee to Bayern Munich. We are getting rid of Jed Spence back to Genoa as part of this deal. Like it was just clearing dead weight and getting a guy in, and everything was perfect. And now I assume if Bayern lands Dragushin, they're not going to take Dyer off of our hands. And maybe I would we imagine could, not. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could still loan Jed to Genoa, but like I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> it's just it was it was. It lined up too neatly to go to go right. Failure was inevitable. Yeah, I I just I don't know. It it we were so kind of honed in on Todibo for a while, and so this very much felt like this was the next thing. Like we we're like, okay, well that's not going to happen. Nice aren't going to agree to this. So Plan B is Dragushin, and then it all seemed lined up and his agent was briefing it to the press and it's just like uh we we really just needed to accomplish this like two days quicker um and but it's so hard that's what i hate about these transfers there's so little transparency because it sure does feel like i mean maybe it's the case if we just like didn't fuck around and just gave him a bunch of money a week ago it would have like resolved it also feels like Bayern was just like wait a minute spurs are getting him for how much like 
yeah. calls agent up. Like it's it's just I don't know because you can see like the the purple and gold people are like dusting off their their tweets that they haven't been able to send for a while and really you know getting 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 their awful Levy photoshops out. Like it's just I don't know. Like I don't know. It, it's very hard to tell from right where we are now. It's like did we fuck something up or is it just like this is what happens when you start fighting Bayern Munich for a third tier center back. I mean, I don't know what realistically we could have or should have done differently. Like, yeah, maybe we could have wrapped this up quicker. But like, if that would have cost us more money, is this guy even worth more money? Like, nobody really seems to have a good handle on how good he is or how well he even fits other than fast and jumpy. Like, that's all we got. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm sure someone less ignorant than us might have a real opinion. But, you know, I think mostly we just talked ourselves into this narrative yes. that like our first choices have missed but our backup choices have all hit spectacularly this is the guy he's going to be the one and now we've just got to reframe our thinking around whatever the next well, option and, looks and, like and, and it was so it was so quick and ruthless it was like oh right so is not available that's fine that makes sense we just moved right on to the next guy we didn't even wait till like i think we'd already moved on to him in the first week of january so like that was impressive and then like it's also like it's it's worth pointing out that like every like, like Fabrizio Romano was talking about this. Like, it was a fucking done deal. Like, who is Fabrizio Romano is like a shady, shitty person who has no ethical standards, but he usually doesn't say shit that isn't true because he's so plugged into agents and that's like part of his deal. So it's, you know, we're all basing this off of like, oh, well, all the signs were there. We were getting carried away. We were getting carried away because it looked like it was going to happen. Uh, I'll say this, like, I know it'd be third choice, but we're being linked with Loic Bade. I think that's how you say his name at Sevilla. And like, I don't love it. I don't know how much of that's just, I'm a Betis fan, but like, like, it's fine. Like, honestly, if I'm being real, like, is he any worse than, you know, Dragosheen? Probably not in a significant way. Like, like they're both on bad teams. Sevilla in particular, I've just watched a little more of, and I know they're a fucking terrible team. Like they're in the relegation zone right now, and it's not like bad luck. They're bad, um, you know. So you could probably say with both of them, like, oh yeah, put them in a better team; they'll play better. Like the important thing is we just get someone in soon. Um, and I would like to think that Bade is just going to happen quickly if this doesn't happen. But who the fuck knows? Right. I mean, and we also seem to have you know, in in for Lloyd Kelly again, who was a guy we were kicking the tires on this summer. He's you the know. eighth fastest defender in the Premier League. Yeah. Last season, he put up the eighth fastest uh, sprint time or sprint speed. So, you know, it's we're clearly targeting a type. We want a fast guy. We like that. And one of these two guys will be it or we'll find another fast guy. I mean, the important <laughs> thing is we find them. And, like, it seems like they're even still, there is a ruthlessness involved here that I find admirable i think it's funny that like this is the signing that is apparently um you know paratici is involved in and uh Lange is involved in the uh the verner transfer so i guess chalk one up for the new guy uh i don't know i just i hate like it's just like the worst parts of like spurs fandom just like pop up when some dumb transfer shit happens and it's just been like it's been very annoying to not only happen now after a deal looked like it was done, but happen over like, oh, we're buying a backup center back. Like, who I, I know is going to get a lot of minutes, so he has to be, like, passable, but it's just annoying. Yeah, I mean, at least we got the team of thing done so we can 
point to something and be like, yeah, we did something. Uh, you know, with, with Dragushin, I think the rush to get him in in time for United, you know, I think was a smart thing to target. Um, if he was a guy we liked, but if that's not going to happen, you know, I'm not really pressed if it takes us the rest of January to sort it out because Van Deven is back. Um, you know, we lost Davis, which is unfortunate, but, uh, you know, we're not as hurt um, in the back line anymore. So I don't know. It's not the end of the world if it takes a little longer. Yeah, it's just frustrating when it seemed like we really had this wrapped up and we don't. So Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, uh, apparently, uh, spend some fucking money, Levy, is apparently what we could do. But it's it's very stupid. Uh, we've been linked with a bunch of random midfielders this week, which is nice. They all seem like guys for the future, though. Um, like, there was the the dude at Middlesbrough who helped defeat Chelsea today in the uh, the League Cup. There's... Hayden uh, Hackney. Hayden Hackney, there you go. Uh, thanks, Ben. Glad you do the research. Um, that you know, really sounds couple- like a fake name. It does. It, it, honestly, it does. Honestly, all of kind of like the young English kids that are coming through now, they all seem to have like very fake whimsical names like but they've moved on from like everybody has like the double last name yeah that was that for a little while that's true uh we've been linked with that kid at uh blackburn i mean i can't remember adam morton there oh look at you ben just like you're on top him off the dome man yeah (laughs) um so we're we're being linked with some other midfielders and whatnot, but it, that, those all seem like very like I think I don't think any of those guys are meant to be improving us this year. They're all I think we would loan virtually all of those guys back. So um, if yeah. not for the next season, let alone this season. So yeah, and the Connor Gallagher links have gone pretty quiet lately. I'm like I don't know. You read some of the noise around that. I wouldn't be shocked if they pop up again, but that's not happening until the very end of January. I mean, if it happens at all. Do you think we'll make another first team move besides a center back? Yes. Yes. I think we're going to try and bring a midfielder in. Yeah. Sounds I very agree. confident. I'm... Are you confident, Greg? I mean, I'm never confident, but like it depends. You sound cause... confident. No, because it's like, I mean, clearly we're targeting Gallagher. And I think the issue with Gallagher is that's a weird contract situation. And he's at Chelsea and like, you know what? Like, however competent you assume you assume Spurs front offices, however much money they're willing to spend, both of those things make this difficult, particularly in January. You know, like, I mean, can you imagine what's be going through Pochino's head that like, if Chelsea are contemplating selling their captain to Spurs in January, like, I mean, that's that's going to be difficult. Um, I don't think you look at the Werner thing, and like, if you told me a name is just going to pop up. I wouldn't be shocked. Like, but I, I think we're clearly like on the one hand, you know, these 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 links with this kid at Blackburn and Middlesbrough are like, you know, we're clearly that that's of a piece with some of Spurs kind of like forward looking, longer term planning that we've been doing for at least a transfer window or two. But I think you've seen enough smoke around. We clearly want to get at least a body in to our midfield, um, you know, with all these misses that we have at AFCON. And, you know, probably with Bentoncourt's sort of questionable health. Right. And Hoybjerg probably heading for the exit. Yeah, and Hoybjerg wanting out. But it also seems like I would be surprised if we made a Timo Werner-like move in terms of, like, make weight. I don't think we're going to do that. I think if we can get a guy like Gallagher in, 
you know, I think we're going to do it. But I think that's just, I don't know. I really want Gallagher in. I think he would be really good. I think he would solve a lot of our problems. And I think it would be really funny. Do you have your same Chelsea hangups with Gallagher as you do about Timo? You know, I don't because I think it would be such a gut punch. To It's really funny because he came up You don't feel like he's a a Crystal Palace player versus a Chelsea player? (laughs) No, no. I mean, he's like Chelsea born and bred or whatever. Uh, You know, he's like came through their academy. But it would be such a gut punch to Pochettino that I just don't care. Like, it would be... Like taking Chelsea's captain from them when we are comfortably ahead of the table of them and they're struggling is just such a like fuck you that it's like I, I like none of the other stuff bothers me. Like you really just want to do so much stuff to spite dad, and I don't. Yeah, no, it's true. I do, and Chelsea in general. Like, like I feel like with Gallagher, the the spite outweighs any sort of weird like attachment i might associate with him to chelsea i don't know it's it's i can't explain it it's not rational he hasn't done like you know he hasn't like given it large to our fans that i can remember so there's not that but like neither timo Werner. so i don't know why maybe because i associate timo Werner with like the salad days at chelsea as opposed to like the sort of shambling like youth academy that they've become all right I mean, that's fair. I, I obviously don't have your weird psychosexual issues with, you know, old dad and his new girlfriend that you do, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you're so focused on the Bundesliga that your psychosexual issues have much, much stranger bent. So that's right. <laughs> Things get weird in Germany. I'll tell you that. I've seen Euro trip. That's definitely true. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel about Gallagher as a target? Obviously, like putting aside like sort of what you think of getting a Chelsea player, like what how do you feel about Gallagher as a target? Like right now, in January, not like looking forward. Yeah, I mean, I think he fills a void and gives you a you know, a very good star like substance to plug into that spot in midfield that we're definitely missing. Um you know, I don't I don't know when all of our guys are fit and back from, you know, uh, international tournaments, what our best midfield is with Gallagher and the team. And that's the kind of signing and problem you want to create for yourself because, you know, it's better than just signing somebody to be a backup and you have to watch, you know, Oliver skip trot out there for an hour and tear your hair out. Uh, you know, he's a guy who really pushes some guys in the, in the starting 11 and, yeah, I mean, also fuck Chelsea. Like, I I do have that sentiment, so I'm not immune to emotion. <laughs> it's it's funny that I feel like most of my like why I want this to happen now is just like it would be so disrespectful to Chelsea and so like particularly disrespectful to Pochettino. And it's like, oh yeah, also he's a pretty versatile midfielder, and we could like, you know, he would help us now. And I think you can, I think he's versatile enough. You can just figure it out later. Like he yeah. does enough in enough positions that like. Having more good players is not a problem. Brian, how do you feel about Gallagher as a potential target? Yeah, I agree. And plus he's homegrown, um, you know, which is a, a seemingly an issue for our squad in the coming years. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i fine with it as a, as a target. I just – I think the attack and the defense are such more significant issues right now. And, and I understand that we're frustrated with having to play Oliver Skip – and like that's obviously not an ideal situation, but like I don't know. I I think Gallagher at this time in in January is probably 
a little bit outside of our price range. Um, and I know that he's got the year and a half left on his contract and everything, but like that's maybe a deal that you can force through for cheaper in the summer. If this was happening, if, if Gallagher was on United or Liverpool and they were having this issue and he was available, I don't think price would be the issue for us. I think 55 million, which I think is 50 to 55 million is what Chelsea are say they want, which probably means you can have them for a little bit less like because of their whole financial fair play issues. Like I think if he wasn't on one of our two biggest rivals, this wouldn't, I think it would happen. Like, I think, I think the fact that we are clearly, I think Chelsea clearly have some reluctance to sell to us. And I think also, at least for a bargain. And I think also we clearly have some reluctance to help Chelsea out. And I think if they, if it wasn't Chelsea, I think this would be a lot more. I think, I think that is entirely in our price range. What's that, Brian? I can't hear you over the mute button. So my question is, uh, is uh, do you guys think that a midfielder is more likely than just like another attacking signing or say something like a fullback? Yeah, I I think, you know, if you look at our front line now, we have Richarlison, Son, Johnson, Kulishevsky, and Werner. That's five guys for three slots. That's pretty robust to get us through half a season with, you know, one, maybe two competitions. Uh, our midfield is thin, and, you know, it's just a place we need bodies. And I think we also, you know, we got that goal out of SAR recently that was, like, very exciting, but having a midfielder who can contribute to the goal scoring and the goal create, you know, shot creating stuff is I think something that we need um, to, you know, give us a new look. And I, you know, I, there's question marks over Los Celso's future. There's question marks about like what position is Bentoncourt suited for? Where does Ange see him? Like we don't have a lot of guys in that eight ten space. Uh, no. necessarily. And I think he's a good fit for that. You know, we're thin and fullback, but I think buying a center back allows Emerson and Ben Davis to play fullback more and not have to double as center backs. I think this summer we should probably target another fullback, but I think to get us through the season, we're probably deep enough there. I think with center with, with midfield, I think that, we're less likely to buy make weight in the way that Timo Werner is. I think if we're going to get a midfielder, which I think we might, I think we're targeting and we're going to try, we're going to get someone we want. Like we're, we're looking at more longer, long-term solutions there. I don't, I I don't think we're going to go get a guy just to like play till the end of the year or like be the fourth midfield. I think we're going to go get like a real player there if we get someone. And I, I think we're looking around for that, but at least that's what I'm taking from, some of the signs that of what's been rumored, but I don't know, maybe we're so fixated on a guy like Gallagher. We're just like, okay, we can't get him now. We're just going to do this in the summer or we'll find someone else. I don't know, but I don't think like you just have to get through like mid February. And as much as like, I don't like watching skip, like you don't go get a guy who's just going to fill in for two months when you've got him on the roster. Like he's not good, but like the, the chances of finding a, a fill in who's better than skip, I think are low. Yeah, I mean, unless we find some, yeah, some young guy who can be skip but better. And but I don't think we're going to give him. 
the minutes that you know you would just give skip right. if you have if to. We find another like SAR. Like that's the kind of signing that maybe you want to target there. But yeah. And I think one of the interesting things is like in these first few days, I guess we're only into the second week of January, but like the rumors about outgoings have kind of died down. Um, well, I mean, there's all the weird shit we're getting this week with Dyer and uh, Spence. Chad. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, players that we knew we were kind of shopping like Hoiberg. There hasn't been anything about, uh, you know, we haven't really heard anything about Regulon since he came back or um, or or even. I, I think there know. were vague rumors around Brian Heal. There was something about Regulon going somewhere, but that didn't really turn Dortmund. into anything. Dortmund of all places. Yeah, I don't know. I think the outgoings is stuff that like we have all month to work on, especially guys like Regulon who aren't part of this team. It's just about finding a landing spot. Hoybier is really the only guy who impacts, you know, the squad. So, and I think, you know, if we're not going to sign a midfielder, then we're maybe not in as much a hurry to push Hoybier out the door. Yeah. So I think we're going to set a record for Wheel of Deal Radio, and we're going to actually talk about a game we played, uh, maybe the latest we ever have in a podcast, because um, we had more urgent things to talk Take about. that or, in your trophy cabinet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or maybe more entertaining things to talk about in this case. Uh, we played Burnley in the FA Cup, and it was not much to write home about, except for that goal, which was scored by our scouting target, uh, Pedro Poro, who just really keeps proving us right. So Spurs, you want to send us somewhere in you know sort of Southern Europe, like where look look what it gave you because Pedro Sporo, I mean, Poro, that was that was an incredible goal. That was that was fucking amazing. Like him just taking crack from distance. Like God, what a signing! Like we're so smart, right, guys? I mean, we knew he could do that. We saw him do it. So I mean, no, that is actually one of the things that you could say he could do from Sporting. Yeah. All this other stuff he's doing and like as an inverted fullback is. You know, maybe not. But. Yeah, the whole defending thing. Like, we didn't know about that. We were like, uh, we'll see, I guess. Um, but yeah, we definitely knew that he could do that. Um, and it was a great hit. And they gave him so much space. They basically invited him to do it. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, that this is just kind of how our cup games have seemed to play out over the last couple years. Like, we don't have very many uh, last couple years every fucking like early fa cup draw i've ever watched has been like this like, i mean this we beat the shit out of marine that was fun okay well that yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> um but uh but no seriously like uh, you know we we play these lower premier league or like mid-table championship teams and we just dick around for 85 minutes and then have to find a way to either pull a win out of our ass or find a way to lose on a penalty shootout. And, you know, since this was the FA cup and we're not doing the shootouts right away, um, this was the best way to do it. And I mean, he, he looked like probably our brightest attacker for most of the game anyway. So it was kind of fitting that he was the one that scored. You know, I think that is unfair to my favorite player, Brennan Johnson, who I thought had... I, a... I'm so confused. I have <laughs> whiplash right now. Uh, no, I, he had a pretty good, you know, first half, first 50 minutes. Um, really, 
until Los Elsa went off and he switched to the right, I thought he was pretty effective. I mean, you know, I talked a lot about his inability, his like kind of low touch um, tendencies to just not get that involved in a game. He's averaging 38 touches a match this season. Uh, and he had 55 touches against Burnley, um, which is a, a lot for him. And he had six shots, which is a lot for him. He wasn't doing the, you know, standoff and hope he catches the ball behind the back line and then look for a cutback. He was, you know, in for Sun and trying to do a Sun-like job of that position. Um, and he managed it. Not you know, not great, but like it was, it was a new look for Brennan Johnson. There's the thing that I've been like begging from him all season is show me that you can do anything other than that one thing you do pretty well. Um, and this was the closest performance that he got to that. And I thought you know, first half our attack ran through him. You know, he got a lot of opportunities. He was beating a man. He was taking shots. He was, you know, he's. Still not great, but he was doing those things in a way that was, you know, mildly effective. We didn't score, but like it looked like something. It's it's important to remember. I mean, you you want to see him doing those things better. He's still a young player, and I do think you could say over the course of his time at Spurs, I think it's been an upward trajectory. Like I think you can see improvement. Yeah. You know, in how he's performed. And, you know, I don't know if he's ever, you know, I think we get hung up on the price tag or whatever, especially with Kane leaving. But it's just like, I don't know, like, I, I'm I'm very optimistic when I watch him play. And maybe I'm just being a Pollyanna. Maybe I know enough people who just get really fucking tired of things he doesn't do well that I get sick of it. And I'm being contrary. But like, I don't know, like, I feel like you're seeing a young player sort of growing into, you know, his role on the team. And you know, you're just hoping that sort of like a little more end product develops there, which I don't think, you know, I think you're talking yourself into something a little bit if you say that, but I don't think it's completely unreasonable to say that. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know that I have confidence that that's what he is long term. I, I agree with Ben. I think, you know, we, we've been asking him to do something for, for something different for a while. And this was at least an indication that it's there. Um, I just like to see him do that with Son and Richarlison both on the pitch. Like, you know, we, we need him to be that level of active and involved when our other attackers are there. Like, it, it's great that he felt like he needed to be the guy in this game, and he took that on. But at the same time, he did. it didn't actually get us a goal. Uh, it, you know, and I don't think... I don't think I'd have to look at it, but I don't feel like he generated some a lot of high XG chances with what he was doing. Um, so I don't know. I, I but you know, fifty five touches versus you know an average of thirty eight, and I feel like I feel like in a lot of these games he's trending closer <laughs> to like twenty five touches. Um, you know that 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 is better. Yeah, look, baby steps. I'm happy he took some baby steps. Yeah. And it didn't matter because Pedro Porro is the best right back in the world right now. And not as crazy a statement as I think you mean that to say. He's pretty fucking good. Yeah. No, I mean, look, Man City are allegedly sniffing around. Uh, Too late. Too late, Pep. They want their boy. Uh, 
yeah, I don't know. He's great. So what else do you need? Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have, is there anything else you would like to talk about this match? Because I don't have a whole lot else to offer. It was a bit of a slog. We got through it. Now we got to play City. Um, that's obviously very funny, but I was kind of hoping we'd you know, get Maidenstone or someone like that um, in the next round. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we're going to have to beat City to win this thing anyway, so we might as well knock them out early. I mean, I'd rather do it now than <laughs> the final, because that would fucking suck. But yeah, like... Yeah, I don't know. I I, I would have liked to have made a little deeper run before we came up against a second Premier League team. Like, do we not get any breaks at all? Um, but whatever. Maybe maybe we'll make a run to the final, and it'll be like Burnley, City... Ajax. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Liverpool. and then we'll, we'll find a way to beat so, Dortmund. Yeah, I was going to say, somehow Dortmund's going to be in the FA Cup this year. I'd feel pretty good about that right. matchup, actually. And then we lose to a dodgy handball uh, against Liverpool in the final. Yeah, yep. that, that sounds about right. Yeah, or like a Basuma getting sent off in the sixth minute or something like that. It's not even playing. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you're like, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. All I know is, as much as we're dreading playing Man City, they are also dreading coming to the lane because it's just, just gonna like it's just not, it's it's not gonna work sooner or later. And I just would like that to be later as opposed to sooner. Um, it would be incredibly funny if we win that game. Like, it just what sucks is we're not gonna have Sun for it, which is like I feel like Sun is frequently our key to beating cities. Right, so. he is their jinx for sure. Yes, yeah. Sun and Var; those are the two keys. Right. Will we have Var? Um, yes, because it's at a Premier League stadium, so we should be. Yeah, cool. All right, so we know we're at half strength. <laughs> yeah, and and who knows? Maybe Timo Werner can uh, discover his scoring touch and and score against City. Var's not going to like the Matrix, uh, like championships or something in the middle of the season. The like, scores over on this one. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, all right. Well, I think we talked enough about that game because God, it was really boring. Other than that goal, um. So let's take some questions from our listeners. We got they got cut off last week because our new recording uh, technology is a little, you know, um, not we're great. We're working on it. We're working on it's, it. It's guys, actually pretty good, but we're getting steps. used to it. Listen, baby yeah, steps. baby steps. People said they wanted to hear us more clearly. I don't know why, um, but you know, we've listened and we finally we were talking about what the Germans do behind closed doors earlier in this podcast, Brian. We're not here to judge. Yeah, that's uh, right. So, so here we are. So I'll, I'll start with asking a question from last week that we got from uh, John Mioli um, from South Baltimore. He wanted to know how much of La Celso's improvement has to do with being on Vibes FC. Who are you going to ask that question to, Greg? Ben. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, all of it. I think, man, I can't, I'm having weird deja vu because I can't remember what I said last week. But if, It's fine. Or just, if we just, talked about it in some other context. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember talking to you about Los Celso in the summer and you were like, there's no fucking way this guy wants to be on this team. He hates it here. We're getting nothing out of him. He's fucking over it. And, you know, I remember saying at the time that, you know, it's a new dawn under Big Ange and anybody can sell Los Celso on coming back into the fold. It's this guy who clearly seems to be the best talker to ever live. And I think that worked. I mean, I think, you know, Los Celso clearly seems to have bought back into a club that I think he would have rather, you know, cut off a limb before coming back to, uh, you know, a few short months ago. 
Well, it's also, I mean, I think you're right. Like, Ange definitely, like, convinced him that the blank slate was real in a way that I think is very impressive, considering all of the water that's gone under that particular bridge. But, you know, on top of that, like, he is in a system where he gets to do at least, like, the kind of thing that he likes to do, which was, I think, at least part of the problem under Conte. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you got to adhere to the patterns where... Ange is just like, no, I need you to do these type of things. And, you know, like he's got the freedom to like ping a ball of sun like that. It's, you know, I mean, I, I'm a little surprised that he's not, he's a little bit less of the all action forward that I remember seeing at Batiste, but he's played all over the pitch. So it's not a shock that he's being successful, but yeah, I think, I think the vibes like that he has been sold on having an opportunity here when I think Spurs could have cleared him out in the summer fairly easily. There were a couple teams interested in sniffing around him and you know i'm sure maybe Aston Villa wanted it yeah Aston Villa wanted him you know you probably could sell him to Barcelona or there's someone in La Liga who would take him like you know clearly there were options there I, mean, I don't know maybe maybe the number wasn't where we needed it to be and that's why it didn't happen but you know it wasn't like Ndombele who like whose whose own mother wouldn't have taken him off our hands so you know there were options there but you know I don't know it's impressive and I think if nothing else, that getting him to buy into this project. I mean, you know, he's starting fights with, you know, Holland on the pitch. I mean, he's, I know he's Argentinian, so it probably doesn't take much to get him there, but they still got him there. And I think, you know, the I think Vibes FC deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if he could just stay healthy at, at the times that we need him, I think his role in this team would be even bigger than it has been kind of the last couple months. Like, you know, he's just magically turned up with an injury like the week after having a good performance, like what twice now already this season. And I mean, that's been kind of his MO the whole time he's been here. So, you know, uh, just him having a a consistent run in the team um, would be good, but you know, Madison is coming back soon and I'll be interested to see how we approach LaCelso's involvement once Madison is back. Like if we decide that we can play Bentoncourt, LaCelso, and Madison as a three-man midfield, or if that's too light. Like I, I, I think certainly he has a place here. It's just a question of you know is is vibes good enough to keep him around, or 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 do we need like regular and consistent playing time? I mean, you know, I know that's a question, but I do want to talk about that because. Right now, we're carrying Skip in that role, who does nothing on either side of the ball. Like he's not a defensive presence. He's not playing like a defensive midfielder in that you know second midfield role. Um, he's playing as a guy who like kind of bursts forward and tries to get in around the box and mix it up. Uh, so if we can carry him there. I don't see any reason why we can't carry Los Celso there. Um, so you know, he would also give us passing and some presence on the ball and more of a calming influence than Skip does. I think, you know, if we don't sign another midfielder um, soon, we're going to have time where Sar and Basuma are still not back and we have somebody who has to play that spot. And yeah. there's no reason it can't be Los Elso. And I think if we can get that midfield working, that could be a very effective midfield. Uh, kind of related to the original question, um, and he uses the word rizzing up in here, which I'm not going to use. But uh, Captain Honey Badger wants to know how much I, of a- I want you to I want you to say the sentence with rizzing up. OK, hold on. <laughs> uh, 
Apparently, and if you can include a reference to Baby Gronk, that would be I, cool. I'll see what I can do. I, I'm not sure Baby Gronk's going to work its way here. Apparently, Ange convinced Timo to join in three minutes. Is our recruitment improving more so from Ange rizzing up potential signings, or is it mostly a data-led approach? What I'm interested in this question, other than using the word rizzing, is how much of an effect do you think Ange, like, Ange is having on our recruitment? Because someone said, I can't remember which one of you guys said it, but like, Ange does seem to be having an impact in terms of like talking through guys, getting them like on board and buying into our project this year. Do you think that's real? Is it like in terms of either him convincing or him being like bought, like talking to a guy and being bought in? Um, I mean, how, how real do you think that is? Brian, I'll start with you. So see, I think that's kind of one of those things. And could you use the word rizzing in your answer? Please? Yeah, I'll try. Um, I think that's kind of one of the those things that's sort of unclear about like football transfers in general. Like, you know, in American sports, we kind of have this understanding that you're going places to either A, win championships or B, get big contracts with guaranteed money. And so, you know, obviously those two things are, pro- are concerns for players in European football. But you know, there's only so many clubs that are winning championships every year. And there's a lot of clubs that pay a lot of money. So what's the difference in getting a player like Timo Werner to come to play for us versus him going to play for United, um, who have the same financial ability to pay him what he wants, who probably would offer him similar playing time. Um, and, And you look at it and it's it's kind of like, the structure of the team, the the quality of the manager, like that's what the difference there is. And so I don't think it's not playing a role, but I also do think that there's a big impact on us having a new backroom staff that is, you know, interested in analytics and um, and evaluating things like player character and not just stats and everything. And it, it seemed like, you know, for, for like the Werner signing specifically that, you know, uh, the, the, the transfer team for lack of a better term at Spurs kind of briefed like the folks at the athletic anyway on like how their process went on this and how they arrived here. And, and then they also credit Ange talking to the guy. So, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's an, an unimportant part of this whole thing that, uh, you know, uh, Pasacoglu has Riz, as the kids say. Um, but I don't think it's... Is that um, how they say it, Brian? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> there's probably less disgust when they say it. Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, so it's not unimportant, but I don't think it's what's making the difference. You say it doesn't make the difference? Sorry, what was your conclusion? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, I think it's, I, I don't think it's unimportant, but I don't think at the end of the day, it's, it's what is the deciding factor for these guys. I think it's just that now we're like paying money for people. I don't know. I mean, I think it is a, a really important part of, of the process. Like, you're not going to take a new job without talking to the new boss, you know, like having that conversation and what is your vision for me and the team and, you know, how do I fit into this is, Important because, like, Timo Werner, like you said, is a guy who was talking to Manchester United or linked with them at least. Like, he's not without options. He's a big enough name with a big enough reputation that, like, he can go places that will pay him money. Um, You know, and I think it's also important for us because we've seen rumors that Ange has vetoed signings for guys that don't seem to be on the project, right? So, 
having that connection and making sure that this is like a mutual buy-in and a mutual understanding of like what this club is going to be is I think that's, that's the difference. I mean, that's what Ange is selling is why it's worth coming to Spurs, you know, over anybody else. And like, yeah, we have a robust analytics department that probably targeted him, but like that is as much a part of closing the deal is why we're probably not going to get Dragosheen because, you know, Bayern can offer him a better package. And the package at Spurs, I think, is less obvious than some of these other clubs. And the difference is is Ange and what Ange is building here and being able to sell people that that is a project worth buying into, even though it might not, you know, deliver the goods this season, we're going somewhere. I think that's, I think that's huge. And I think, like, we've seen versions of this before. Like, I think it's pretty clear Larice didn't try to leave, like, was happy at Spurs for as long as he was because he was so bought into what Pochettino was selling. And I'm sure there's players who came here because of Pochettino. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, and I'm sure this isn't new, but, you know, I will say the thing that has struck me about Ange, the way he talked about his involvement in the player recruitment process. And again, I think this has probably been the case at other clubs. I don't think it's new, but his involvement being like, I have insisted on having veto over any new signings is like, that's like one of the more, after living through like, Harry Redknapp and AVB and like grouchy, you know, sort of like latter era Pochettino, like, like the manager, like what he needs is a veto power is like, that sounding that's incredibly reasonable compared to like, you know, some of these managers who just like, I want every single signing. I need to be very picky about it. Like, no, like I need to talk to the guy and then I'm going to tell you whether or not I think he's going to work here. Like, Oh, that makes total sense. Whether or not you can riz him into coming here, you know, it's a different matter. Yeah. Um, well, you know, one last thing on, Ange being the, you know, the Riz master, he, there's plenty of stories of his time in Australia, you know, scouring the world football for anybody with a connection to Australian lineage who could potentially play for this team and selling them on why they should, you know, change nationalities and, and play for him. And, you know, I think that he has had that, that experience for sure, but he's played and managed in such weird places that, having to convince someone why, you know, Marinos or Celtic are a good project, you know, that is worth coming to is, you know, part of the job. And as much as we like to pretend that Tottenham is, you know, a world elite football club, like, I don't know that we necessarily are that, you know, that reputationally sound, I guess, uh, you know. Well, I mean, we were a total, we, we were probably one of the biggest train wrecks in world football, like, five months ago <laughs> and like look you know now we've got a new dad and everything's good um peter burks wants to know uh, are romanians hard-working grafters with a real edge to them or are they the bleeding edge of perfidy and deceit <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus uh i mean I, definitely the latter but ask me tomorrow yeah, yeah we'll see <laughs> we'll find out if he honors his agreements <laughs> Um, a very good question on Blue Sky from uh, Knefferbert. I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm sorry. He wants to know how effective Timo Werner will be at center back, which seems like the obvious solution here, right? Oh, I mean, we need a pacey guy who just mops shit up. Like, yeah, that's that's it. He's when an expert. Can't keeping, go. He's an expert at keeping the ball out of the net. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, he's not big though. Is the problem. He's just like, head. yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> but he's just like regular regular sized and I don't know. It doesn't seem like it'll be he'll be a great fit for there. So our final question, uh this comes from uh Rob Dirks on Twitter. He wants to know I think this is important because we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast started. Uh, he wants to need a top three ranking of the worst soccer hairstyles. And where's the top not rank? Because I think I think we're all sleeping on how on how bad Radu's uh like top knot is. I think it's pretty fucking ugly. Um, you know, and it's just a it's, top knot, not a man bun. Is it, you know, I think it depends. I think you could go either way. What's I think the difference? A, ben, you've had a man top bun before. Like Why don't you back? tell us? Like right, I've absolutely never had a man bun. <laughs> uh <laughs> But a top knot. I is feel like, like there was a pandemic man bun. Maybe I'm misremembering. No, that's not me. No, yeah. no. Ben had like the fascist. Uh, what was it? The undercut. Like, <laughs> yes, you had that true. by accident for like a week, and then you, then you <laughs> shaved your head and looked like Oscar Isaac and Ex Machina, rather than go around with that. Yeah. Well, look, I tried to cut my own hair, and then <laughs> that didn't work. So I asked my wife to cut my hair, and that worked even worse. So yes, I ended up with. Uh, a diet Richard Spencer before I got the diet Oscar Isaac. Um, but the difference, a top knot is like a samurai from the Tokugawa Shogunate and a man bun is, you know, some like grimy <laughs> fuck boy from like 2014. Like and... Somewhere in between these. <laughs> I feel like both could apply to what he's sporting. Don't you? Yeah. yeah uh... I'm looking at it. It is like, he has long hair that he puts up in a bun, but he puts it up stupidly high on his yeah, head. Exactly. Like a top knot. Yeah, this is not good hair. So so what are like if you're if you're thinking of like worse soccer hairstyles, like what are like generally speaking, what are what are we talking about? Here? The Ronaldo head mustache. Okay, that's pretty bad, but like that's pretty rare. I mean, like I, I guess other than Richarlson, no one else has had that. So Um who else is bad? Like, I mean, Brian Hill has horrible hair, but it's not even like a a notable style in world football. It's just this guy can't groom himself. <laughs> or he's really into the Beatles, which I'm I guessing mean, not. <laughs> Gareth Bale's attempt to cover his bald yeah. spot is pretty bad. That's pretty ugly. You're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else has bad like the, so many players in the '90s and '80s had those like weird mullets, like Pochettino, his mullet haircut. Like there's so many bad looks. The mullet's pretty bad. Like there's a you, like I don't even know the name of the player. I don't know if there is a specific player I'm thinking of, but like I just feel like I can imagine like a blonde guy with a mustache and a mullet in like a Rangers kit from like 1993 or something. I, so every haircut that Ronaldo ever had, terrible. I mean, the front cut, you know, is certainly early. Terrible. Er, early Ronaldo has very bad hair. Uh, I don't know how to say uh, his first name. He's Croatian. Vita, Dama, Damagoj, Damagoj. I don't know, but it's this like Ooh. high ponytail with shaved sides, and you see him crop up in like every you know European tournament with Croatia, and you're like, why does this man exist? But that's one of the all-time bad well, haircuts. I think that's that's part of what makes Radu's like top-knot man bun, whatever we're calling it, look so bad. It's like it's very. He's got like that like sort of high cut. It's like, but it's also like very manicured too, like under it, and it's just. Ugh, it's like it's not a good look. I think Baggio has got it. We got to mention Baggio, right? I mean, that's unique, but like that's pretty fucking awful hair. Yeah, and um, didn't I mean Beckham had dreads at a certain point, didn't he? 
Oh, white guy cornrows. That's got to be really high on the list. Like, like uh, you know, that and, it's ugly and, and offensive. Like that's yeah. Yeah. It, I'm sure there were a bunch of other like Italians in the nineties that had really bad haircuts. Conte. Yeah. yeah. The European mullet <laughs> is never a good look. Uh, or Did, like the Neymar what, mullet. <laughs> well, na- none of Neymar's hair is good. Um, it's all bad one way or another. What do we think of like Zidane's like buzz cut, but not really? Like, yeah, it's like he's like shaved it down, but like he's leaving enough on there that you can see his bald spot. It's kind of strange. Yeah, it's fine. Like it's, I mean, he doesn't have a lot to work with. So the 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 range of styles that you have available to you, yeah, are take only... it all off, buddy. Just the bald is beautiful. Yeah. Like go for it. That's why I find Gareth Bale's particularly offensive because, like, look, obviously you can grow hair, but like, why are we, why are we doing this weird game? Gareth Bale got his ears clipped after he'd been like already become a world, you know, as a as a fellow big ear haver, like I was always very ashamed of Gareth Bale for doing that at a stage of his life where it's like this is just who you are, man. Like, don't do that. Like, clearly he's going to make bad decisions. Like, yeah. Anybody, anybody else got any know. additional bad decisions? I feel they like discuss? there's got to be some like there's a, there's got to be a lot of really bad one offs, but like I'm trying to think of like general hairs. I think the mullet's got to be the worst, like because the euro the euro mullet is worse than like just a regular old mullet. But yeah, I think that's got to be the one that stands out to me. Yeah, I I mean Rooney's haircuts have been like bad, but like. In in a way that you know a guy from Liverpool's haircuts should be bad, I guess. Well, it's also that's I mean, a guy that's a guy fighting a losing battle too. Like to a degree, yeah. you sympathize. Right. With we them. definitely have to have categories for bad hair and yes. bad right. haircuts. Like correct. Some people are just they just don't have a lot to work with, and they're just doing their best. <laughs> and and then David Beckham's putting cornrows in his hair. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, David Beckham's super good looking guy has done a million different hairstyles and mostly managed to pull it off. So if anybody is going to have the hubris to think he can pull off white guy cornrows, I understand why David Beckham went down that misguided road. But then why did Andy Carroll think that he could do that? Because <laughs> he's what about Andy Carroll screams good decision making to you? Bro? Yeah, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I think like, yeah, so I think white guy cornrows, I think the Ronaldo, I think especially, what was it, like the front cut, what would we call that? Like that early aqua gel, like, yeah. oh, you know, you know who needs a special mention is Shamak, who's like got a worse version of the Ronaldo haircut. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, man, and no one's terribly... thought about him in forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, that guy. I, I mean, <laughs> that was some bad hair. That was some real yeah. bad hair. There's there's so many of the 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 footballers that just like gel their hair all to shit for like you know where like like Toby Alderweireld where like his haircut was like I guess fine but it was like how much hair gel is holding that thing in place his hair is really weird and I think we just got kind of used to it in a way where you just like because he never changed it. So it was always like, oh, yeah, that's just what he looks like. And you just like it just stops looking weird after a while. Yeah, but it yeah, is exactly. weird. It's it's not a great look, but like no. it was fine. I don't know. It's like when Kevin De Bruyne had that beard. Like, I don't I didn't like the Kevin De Bruyne beard, the weird ginger <laughs> beard. Like, don't do that. No, definitely don't do that. You need much thicker, much thicker hair on your face to pull that off. 
there's not white many like white guy froze in European football like we see in like I don't know American football for example or uh college basketball. Yeah, ever since we lost Fellaini, we've kind of it's been a real dying breed. That wasn't even like bad as much as it was just notable. Like I mean that wasn't like oh you you know no, I think we got a king for this Kyle Beckerman. Yes. Oh, the white Abs- guy dreads. Oh, Abs- but it's not just white guy dreads. I mean, it's white guy dreads for like a decade. Like he committed. Yeah. Like if you if you are not an Amer- if you're an American, you know everything we're talking about. If you're not an American. Go Google Kyle Beckerman, who was like a stalwart of the United States national men's national team midfield for like five or six years there, probably longer. But like God, just had the longest like Roz Trent like white guy dreads like you've ever seen in your life. Like terrible. Yeah, it was you. You could smell him just by looking at him. Like that's how, that's how I was felt about Kyle Beckerman. Just patchouli oil, just yep. coming off the screen. <laughs> yep. Well, this we got a lot more out of that question than I thought we would, guys. Good work. I don't know if it, we got a top three, but I feel like we we had a real solid list of entries to that to that to that question. So now it's time to wrap it up. Uh, ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs, and hopefully you can find me on this podcast where my recording worked <laughs> this week. <laughs> we'll find out in a few minutes. Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Also on the ATF message boards, uh, giving them that sweet, sweet ITK. Right, right. Yeah. You know, um, on any of the forums, I go by what lies above. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't think of a quick, a good one. on Live short beneath notes. is the, uh, ski course. I don't, I don't have a yeah. ski joke there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at skipjack 79 and you can find me on blue sky at just plain old skipjack. Um, and don't forget to follow our podcast on Twitter at WDR podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler dealer radio for Ben, for Brian, for Brent, for Brett rainbow. I've been your host, Greg, uh, Come on, you Spurs, and enjoy your lunch.